You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Hey man, it's good to be here with you this morning. It's still morning. No, it's actually afternoon because it just went past noon. Uh, my name is Mark Roy, and I'm very happy to be able to come and share with you today. I've been loving uh, just our series about reading the red and just dealing with the whole thing that change happens daily, and it doesn't happen just in, in a day. And uh, today I want to challenge you just with a, a message. We'll be reading out of Matthew chapter 9 and uh, be looking at what we're calling compassionate Christianity and what it means to be a compassionate Christian. A couple of verses that I want to share with you, just an introduction. Uh, one is found in Proverbs 19, verse 17. And it says, He who is gracious to a poor man lends himself to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. And what I love about that verse is the God of all creation is actually saying to us is that he wants to borrow us, he wants to use us, to help humanity, hurting humanity, as we say. And, and the benefit is, is he says, we'll greatly repay you, uh, but that's not why we do it. We do it because we are compassionate Christians. And that's what I wanted to share. Another verse uh, that I love to uh, share in, in just this context is in Matthew 5, verse 16. And it says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they will see your good works and they will glorify God. Okay, so it's not just about hearing our words. See, I think that's what the world looks at the church. They hear all our words, but they don't see our works. Our words need to back up our works, and our works need to be what we say. You understand what I'm saying? And as we begin to look at compassionate Christianity, uh, I just love those verses there. Uh, it even says in John 14, verse 12, Jesus said this about us. I'm not preaching on this, but I'm just using this verse. It says, greater works you shall do in my name because I go to the Father. So that you is you and me. Greater works we, we will do. We will do the same works as what Jesus did. That's what he purchased for us on the cross. In Matthew chapter 9, it's a really interesting kind of scenario of time in the life of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is beginning. This is after he's been tempted. He's gone through temptation. He is coming out and really beginning to demonstrate the kingdom of God. And yet at the same time, the religious context of where it was, it was still in an Old Testament context. When I say Old Testament or Old Covenant, I'm talking about what it was in the Old Testament when there was 10 rules, right? The 10 commandments were given, and it was to be a moral guideline that man was to walk by. And if they did so, they could be in relationship with God. We're going to see here mentioned in just a moment when we read scripture that there was a group called the Pharisees. Now, they were, these were, I call them the religious police. They had actually created 613 rules. That's a lot of rules, folks. I mean, I have problem with 10 rules and much less 600. But it was all these things that you had to do. It was behavior modification to be right with God. That should be a big hallelujah thinking that Jesus came and died on the cross, fulfilling all the Ten Commandments, and he was a sacrifice for you and me so that if I'm in Jesus, uh, I'm forgiven of those things. And he empowers me to live um, by what he said was the most important commandment, to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, to love your neighbors, you love yourself. 
I like it when it gets more simple. How about you? I do. And so that's what Jesus did. But the context of this passage is there's this conflict that's taking place. You have a religious order, a religious system based on rules, and then Jesus was coming in. He was going to begin to talk about relationship with humanity for what he did on the cross for them. Amen? So when we look here, we begin reading in, um, in actually in in in. in the chapter 9 of Matthew, we begin to see Jesus beginning to teach us and talk to us about what is compassion. And that's what I want to share with you on. Just briefly, uh, my wife Susie and I, uh, on the 31st of October, it will be 20 years that we've been working in the inner city of San Antonio. Uh, God called us 20 years ago. We started a ministry called Blood and Fire. I know it sounds like a really weird name. People think that we're a terrorist group or a biker gang, and and we, thus we have we are we have changed our name to Somebody Cares San Antonio. That sounds a lot more user friendly, and but basically what it is that we're just a ministry of compassion to the working with the inner city poor. And so we just yesterday was our last day. We just finished five weeks of inner city camp that we do over at Roosevelt Park. Uh, we are we are actually located over in what is called Southtown now, uh, but it was get out of town 20 years ago. It was kind of rough back then, and we, but we loved the community. And when we came into that community, we came, and the Lord told me the first year, he says, listen, I don't want you to preach. I want you to serve people, and I want you to pray. And that's what we did. And so we begin to do grocery distribution. We do a big thing called the community party. Uh, and we just begin to share with them just really uh, what we did. And when we look at this thing about compassion, really the definition of compassion, it means to be moved in the gut so much that it produces an action. And in the original language that we see in the New Testament, there's this really can anybody pronounce that? I'm not even going to try. But that was the Greek word that means compassion, that translated to compassion. But it means to be moved in one's bowels. We say guts. But hence to be moved with compassion or to have compassion. And what they thought it was from our bowels was the seat of love and pity that we would have for humanity. And so that's what we begin to experience uh, at Blood and Fire is just going in the compassion of the Lord and learning. And I can honestly say that we have learned so much more uh, just by going to the poor. And thus, the big idea of what I want to share with you today is this. Real simple, just three words. Compassion is action. You cannot say you're a compassionate person and sit on the sidelines and not do something when God shows you something. We are to be a people of action, and particularly we as Christians. That's what we experienced with blood and fire with some, uh, and somebody cares, San Antonio. is just responding to our local community. And then out of that, we begin to do, uh, have leadership uh, in what is called Somebody Cares International. Uh, and it was where we begin to respond uh, to uh, natural disasters as well as responding and working uh, in local outreaches in cities. Uh, weekend after next, I'll be in Baltimore. Uh, we'll be doing a big outreach in some of the roughest areas in Baltimore uh, where we do a day of hope there. But we're, we do a lot of things 
uh, in, in regards to Somebody Cares America. We've worked at every major disaster since Katrina. So, I mean, we're watching Hurricane Barry right now. Uh, and our whole goal was, is with Somebody Cares America International, is that we come alongside the local church and help empower them, help empower them in a time of disaster. And uh, so you can just see some pictures here. This is just an inner city camp and stuff in which we do there. Uh, and then with Somebody Cares International. And then the last thing that we're a part of, uh, not the last thing, but another great part of what we do is with Freedom's Promise. And Freedom's Promise is an anti-human trafficking organization. We work predominantly in Southeast Asia, particularly in the country of Cambodia. We have a new project starting in Burma and Thailand. And this is just all in helping prevent human trafficking through community development. So we're strictly in awareness. Uh, we have education health initiatives, church initiatives, uh, job creation. And I say all that just to say this. This is what we do. So what I'm sharing on you is not something I'm just talking about like some preachers do and they never do it. This is our life. We've been doing this for 20 years. And so, and I, that is not boasting that. We know that's what God specifically has called us to do is to help provoke and help equip the church uh, with this, this area of compassion. So how does it change us? There's four things that I want to share with you, and we'll see that out of our text found in Matthew chapter 9. The first thing that we see is that compassion changes the way that we see people. As we read in verse 9 of chapter 9 of Matthew, and Jesus went out from there, and he saw a man named Matthew. He was sitting at the tax collector booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he got up and followed him. Now, sometimes we read those verses. He walked into, saw a man, didn't really know him, and he says, hey, you, come go with me. And he did. I mean, do you actually get that? This guy was just carrying on everyday life, doing his job, and yet that man was so compelled that he left what he was doing and he began to follow Jesus. I believe it was because he carried the power of compassion in his life. He carried the love in the heart of the Father. And that's why he responded to him. But then it says, then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, that many tax collectors and sinners came up and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. Now, tax collectors were not necessarily like the IRS agents that we know today, they actually made their money because they took more than what they were supposed to. So these were kind of corrupt people. They weren't highly respected in the community. And yet these are the people that Jesus was hanging out with. And when the Pharisees saw that, the Pharisees, again, I called them the religious police, the one that had the 613 rules to be able to walk with God. They said to him, why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? And then listen to Jesus' response. But when Jesus heard this, he says, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what I mean in this. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So when Jesus made this statement, what he's saying is, I see people all the same way. The Pharisees were sectarian. They segmented people out. They, they only related to people that were the same race, the same religion, and everybody else was wrong. 
You hear what I'm saying? But see, when Jesus sees people, he doesn't see race. He doesn't see economic status. He doesn't see what you drive, what clothes you wear. He doesn't see those things. They're not important to him. People are people. And that's how Jesus saw them. And the first thing that compassion will do is it begins to change the way that we see people. So I see a homeless person the same way I see as a wealthy person. They both need Jesus. They both need help. They both need encouragement. You hear what I'm saying? But that's the first thing. When we begin to hear and answer the call about being a compassionate Christian is that we begin to see people differently. And so he said there, I desire compassion and not sacrifice. Now, when you hear that word sacrifice, I'm not saying that we as believers and followers of Jesus that we're not going to have to sacrifice because you are. It's very biblical. The context of what he's saying is based off old covenant, right? And you remember in the old covenant, they used to have to sacrifice animals. Aren't you glad we don't have to do that today? We'd have a bunch of bad, uh, that wouldn't be good at church. I mean, and they had burnt offerings. It always smelled like a really good barbecue, but it, you know, it, it, it wasn't good. But he's saying, that's not what I desire. I desire to see compassion within you. Now, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 says this. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your body as a living sacrifice unto God, which is your spiritual form of worship. So worship isn't about music. Worship is what we do with our lives every day. Worship is what we do with our time. It's what we do with our money. It's what we do with our talents. It's what we do with our life. But he says that you would offer that to God, your, our bodies is a living sacrifice unto God, except which is your spiritual service of worship. And don't be conformed to the world. Don't live the way the world does. But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God is. So there's a progression in us discovering why we're on the planet, our purpose, God's will for us, but it does come with sacrifice. And so I'm not, in no way is Jesus saying that there. So, uh, but we offer ourselves to God. So that's the first thing that change uh, or compassion changes the way that we see people. Second thing is it changes the way that we live our lives. The disciples of John, which would have been John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus came to him and he said, why do you Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? Jesus responded and said to them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom, that's speaking of Jesus as a type, is taken away from them. They will fast. And then it goes on. It says, but you don't put unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment. No worse tear results. Here's the key verse here. It says this, nor do people put new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wineskins will burst and the wine pours out and the wineskins are ruined and also you lose the wine, but they put new wine into fresh wineskins and the both are preserved. And you're probably saying, what are you talking about? When I talk about what compassion does, compassion will change the way that we live our lives. So when we hear about new wine, I believe it's when God shows us something new. It's a new revelation. Wineskin just talks about how we have crafted the life in which we live. 
And if anybody's walked with God in any way, uh, when we give our lives to God, God begins to adjust our life, right? We, things begin to change. And so he uses this word wineskin. And here's a picture of a, a, what a wineskin. And that's a really nice one. Back then, it would have been a little bit more crude. And it basically, it was something that an animal would, uh, would have uh, died, of course. And they would have tanned the leather. And they would sewn together this, what was called a wineskin. It was something they would take wine. They would put it in. And so in the process, whenever you put new grape juice, you know, grape juice into a wine flask, and it begins the process of fermenting, what's going to happen? It's going to expand. I mean, if I had a bottle of wine and I popped a cork, I could probably hit somebody back there with a cork, you know? And it's because it's under pressure, and that's what would happen. And so what the writer is speaking to is what Jesus is speaking to, and even as I give this word about compassion, for some of you, you may already be understand it, and you're moving in it, but I'm challenging you with the, the message of compassion. It could be a new revelation to you. And so that means that, guess what? Your life may need to change. So we like, we get connected to old things. You know, I have old things that I like, an old pair of shoes, an old pair of jeans. You know, all of us have something that we like that we keep around that if we ever really put it back into use, uh, it would probably rip or tear or not work as good. You know, understand what I'm saying? And that's why there has to be a new wineskin. Now, what has to happen in order for you to make a new wineskin? Something has to die. Okay, I'm just talking about in, for there, something has to die to be able to form something new. So as God continues to grow us, there are areas of our life that we may have to die in so that God can create a new thing. He'll rearrange our lives that will help facilitate what God wants to do. Does that make sense? Okay, so compassion, number one, allows us to see people uh, number two is it will begin to arrange the life. And then the next one, I love this, is that compassion will release the supernatural. And I don't have time just to go through all these verses, but in Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 through 35, it says that Jesus was going about beginning to preach and declare the kingdom of the gospel, and he was healing every kind of disease. And the scripture begins <clears throat> there, and it begins to tell us of the story of the story of how that there was a man that had come. His daughter had died. She was 12 years old. His name was Jeharis, we know from other passages. And so he came. He was a synagogue official. He worked at the synagogue. And he came to Jesus, knowing that she had died, said, would you please come? Jesus said, I'll come. And so as Jesus is leaving this way, he encounters another woman, a woman that the scripture says that she had been suffered with the issue of blood. She had had an inner hemorrhage and she had been bleeding for 12 years. And her whole heart was, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. So this woman, Jesus is going to Jeharis uh, to pray for the 12-year-old girl. This woman touches Jesus and she's healed. He finally gets to Jeharis' house. He walks in. It says there's flute players that are playing. There's all these different mourning is going on, all these different things. You can imagine what the scene looked like. It says that Jesus walked into the house, and he said, the girl is not dead. She's just asleep. And it says they went from mourning to laughing at Jesus. Two extremes. Jesus said, everybody out. All the unbelief, y'all get out of here. 
You're not believing my words. So they get out. Jesus prays for the girl. She's raised from the dead, and things change. Jesus goes from that house, and it says not long after that, two blind men are following Jesus and saying, Son of David, have mercy on me, for we are blind. Jesus says he went into their house. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And, of course, it's a pretty easy answer for a blind man. We want to see. And so he prays for him, and then they are healed. Then right after that, Jesus is going about, and there's a demon-possessed man. He's mute. He can't speak. And it says that he cast the demon out, and the man could speak. And the scripture goes on, and it said nothing like this had ever been seen in Israel. So compassion releases the supernatural. I've seen God heal. Just last year in Cambodia, just outside of a city called Poi Pet, I saw a lady that was totally, completely mine, and I saw God touch her and heal her. We were doing a medical clinic. I've seen a person with curvature of the spine that God straightened it up. I've seen God do that stuff. So it's a real thing, whether we believe it or not. I like to believe it because I think it's pretty cool. Okay, but then also when I talk to us as a community, that's not an everyday life thing. Maybe it could be, but it's not in my life. But, you know, acts of compassion and being compassionate is just being available to represent God to people in need. I had a friend that was getting on the airplane. She's a speaker. She speaks with human trafficking organizations. And this just happened last week. And she was getting on the airplane with her husband, Southwest Airline. She got on the plane, and there was only middle seats left. Don't you hate that when that happens? You know, and you're with someone, and they have to go sit over there. And she sat down. She was looking forward to being with her husband and she sits down, and she says, man, she goes, uh, I'm just, Lord, I'm just here if you want to use me, whatever. And she looks over to her side, and there's a man that's crying. You can tell he's, been ups- he's so upset. And so she turns to him, filling God's heart for him, and just says, sir, are you okay? Is there anything that I can do? And he begins to tell a story that his wife had, unsuddenly, had suddenly died. And they had been buried, they came to bury her in San Antonio, and he was flying back home. And she was able to say, Can I pray for you? And she was able to bless him and to pray with him. That's what I'm talking about, folks. We can do that. We can be kind. We can serve someone, and we can fulfill what that scripture says in Matthew that we can let our light shine before people in such a way that they'll see the good works, they'll see our kindness, they'll see our compassion, you know, whether it's feeding someone that's hungry or helping someone, hear what I'm saying, is that it begins to release the supernatural. And the last thing, last point that I want to make is that compassion allows us to see people that need Jesus. And this is in verse 36 through 38. And seeing the people It says that Jesus felt compassion for them because they were distressed. They were downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Therefore, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. There's plenty plenty of people that need Jesus. There's plenty of people that are ready to respond to Jesus. But he says the problem is not the harvest. It says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. 
people that will go and represent the kingdom of God to hurt humanity. And that's really the heart of my message today. And I love our church. I love City Church. Me and Susie have been coming here about 10 months. Uh, I know Doug's heart. I know our heart for the poor. I know our heart to, to reach out into the community. It's not just about being in here. It's about being a light and being salt out in the community. I love that's a part of our life. But what I'm praying is that God would even increase that in our midst and in our congregation. That you would realize it doesn't matter if you're a welder or if you work at HEB or if you're a student or if you work in construction or you're a nurse or you're a teacher. Every one of us, God is calling us to be workers, to be representatives of compassionate Christianity. And so when God shows something to us, when God shows us a need that is there, I won't look to the side and say, well, you know, you need to call such and such. They could help you with that. No, maybe if God's shown you, why don't you see what you can do about it? You hear what I'm saying? And that's really what this message is really all about. It's about us being a compassionate community, the power of compassion. You know, you may have come here today, and as Doug says, you may be a spiritual investigator and let me just say this, first of all, if you're investigating, probably the thing that has kept you away from knowing who Christ is, is religion. You see, religion is not about rules. It's about relationship. So forgive me for the misrepresentation of who Jesus is. Everybody wanted to be with Jesus. Sometimes the church gets in the way of people seeing who Jesus is. Jesus is a God of forgiveness. He's a God of love. He's a God that will take you just where you're at, and he'll transform your life. It happened in my life. It happened in many people's life. If you have never done that today, and you would like to do so, you know, you can pray this simple prayer with me. I'm not gonna, we're not going to call you out. We don't do that here or anything. But I want everyone just to bow your head just for a moment. And if, if you would just say, Mark, I, I've never really encountered and had a relationship with Jesus. I, I, I may have gone to church but you would like to do that, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Just say, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I know that I have sinned and done wrong in my life. I believe that Jesus died on a cross for me, and I receive the gift of salvation today. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. And I speak it in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we would love to celebrate it with you. We'll have prayer leaders here. There's people that are greeters. Uh, if you would like to share that with someone, that would be great. Uh, but it's just the beginning of a relationship. It's just an introduction. Uh, but you, are, you are, are blessed. We're happy that you're in the kingdom of God if that happened. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over us and just pray for God to increase uh, then I have one more scripture that I want to share, and then we'll go. So, Father, I just pray today that in the name of Jesus, I release the power of compassion over my brothers and sisters here. Father, I ask that in the name of Jesus, that, Father, you would increase that in their lives and our lives. Lord, I pray this week for divine, if you will, encounters, opportunities for us to be the hands and the feet of Jesus as we move in the compassion of the Lord. Father, let us not be a people that just have pity and just look and then look away. But, Father, let us be a people that looks just like what it said about Jesus, he felt compassion when he saw the people distressed and downcast. 
Father, let us be that group of people, and we speak it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.